Welcome to Hack to Start, a podcast focused on interesting people and the innovative ways they achieve success. I'm Franco Variano. And I'm Tyler Copeland. Each week we speak with a new guest about how they created, hacked, and hustled their way to the top and distill their insights and experiences for you. The path to success isn't always linear. Hack, start, and repeat. This episode is brought to you by Breather. Find beautiful, practical spaces that you can reserve on the go. Ghost, a simple, powerful publishing platform that allows you to share your story with the world. And SoundCloud. Hear the world sounds. You're listening to episode 30 of Hack to Start. This episode features Bridget Sauer, the community manager at Teespring. Tyler and I wanted to invite Bridget onto the show to share her experience as a visual artist and entrepreneur. Bridget studied art at Brown University and then worked at Hermes, one of the top fashion houses in Paris, before deciding that startups were where she wanted to spend more of her time. In 2014, Teespring saw more than 7 million products shipped to more than 80 countries worldwide. Now let's get to it. Hey, Bridget. Thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Awesome. Um, So we always like to kick off our shows by getting to know uh, a little bit more about our guests. So where are you from? What did you study? And how did your passion for entrepreneurship develop? Sure. Um, I'm from Boothwin, Pennsylvania, which is about 20 minutes south of Philadelphia. Um, I went to Brown University for school um, and I studied visual arts and had uh, the luck of being able to take classes at RISD as well. I took most of my painting studios there. Um, so that exchange between Brown and RISD has been super valuable. Cool. And, and how did you get started with, with kind of entrepreneurship? What led you down that, uh, that path? Sure. So um, in efforts to not become a starving artist, <laughs> I, decided, <laughs> I decided to think creatively about how I could get my art off the walls in a gallery um, and kind of onto the streets and into the world. And so I figured the best way to do that was to wear it. Um, and without having any sewing skills... I had to get really creative in how I was going to wear, you know, my paintings besides draping canvas over my shoulders and walking around. Um, and so I had the idea of painting on silk scarves. And so I ordered 50 blank silk scarves one summer and just painted them all. Just every day I would paint a couple. Um, and at the end of the summer, I had this just pile of colorful, breathable, flowy scarves. So, so I put the website up and my scarves all sold out. And, um, I knew I was onto something, and one of my mantras in life is to always keep on learning. And so I looked, I, I remember a moment where I Googled, you know, best scarves in the world. And of course, Hermes popped up, which is a, a famous Paris fashion house. Um, and as luck would have it, the creative director from Hermes went to Brown University. Um, and as luck would have it one more time, he was going to be at Brown to give a lecture on the history of the Hermes scarf. And so after that lecture, I pinned Pierre-Alexis de Moss down. Um, <laughs> you know, I waited in a line of 30 um, <laughs> girls wearing their, you know, beautiful Hermes scarves. Um, and I might have been wearing, you know, jeans and a sweatshirt. <laughs> and I, and I, I showed him a fistful of my colorful scarves that I'd been uh, selling and painting over the summer and since then. Um, and, I, and I asked him, I said, what's the, opportun- what's the possibility that I can come to Paris and learn learn from your team and learn how to make scarves. And he seemed a little bit stunned by the question. Um, girls were waiting anxiously in line before me, maybe had alluded to it or not 
been too nervous to ask him directly, but, you know, I asked him straight up. And so his response was, you know, do you know French? And uh, no, I did not know a, a word of French. I, I took Spanish all through high school. But I said, but I'll learn it. And, and I think that sparked an interest in his mind. And so he said, he said sure, I'll give you a couple contact uh, email addresses. And, um, you know, he went back to his hotel and forgot about me, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but I did not forget about him. And so um, I emailed persistently and eventually got an interview in Paris and, you know, called up my mom and I, I asked her if I could go. And she said, uh, only if I can come with you. <laughs> so my mom and I went to Paris for spring break um, and I interviewed at Hermes, um, you know, borrowed, borrowed a nice outfit from my friend and uh, went, went to the most fashionable place in the entire world. Um, and to my surprise, the people who worked on the Hermes staff were so welcoming and, you know, helped me along with my baby French and showed an extreme interest not only in my silk work, but also in the fact that I spoke English. Um, and so I was offered the job, I think 50% because of my talent and 50% because they all wanted to improve their own English. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you didn't spend much time practicing your French. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But the summer before I went to Paris, I took immersive courses. Um, and then I took classes, you know, every single night in Paris just to try to keep up because um, when you're when you're Photoshop and Illustrator are in French, you got to learn fast. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so once I was offered the apprenticeship, um, I kind of picked up and left my senior year of Brown, uh, which was very scary, but I knew that, you know, if I wanted to move forward with my own business, I would have to learn from the best. And so I spent a very lonely year in Paris in the sense that I was spent every night learning French and every day just trying to keep up at work. But it was also the most enriching time of my life and that, you know, I, I learned skills that have been invaluable to me since. Um, and so this leads me back to Providence, Rhode Island for one summer uh, to work out visa things. And during that time period, I, I had to have a job. And so I was hanging out with my friend uh, Avery from Teespring, who, who, who was one of the first employees at Teespring one summer. And he kind of offered me a job doing marketing there. Um, and as my background since then was painting and graphic design, I was a little bit insecure and not sure if that's what I wanted to do. But he talked me into it, and Teespring just seemed like an incredible company. And so what turned into a summer stint before I went back to Paris, before I went back to work for Hermes, turned into a life-changing opportunity that um, you know I gave all that up for. And so while I learned things in Paris that have changed my entire life and also the trajectory of my career, I also learned something about myself coming back to Providence and working at Teespring. And that is that I just am in love with entrepreneurship and, and the hustle that comes along with it. And the culture of startups and technology in the United States is something that's so special. And maybe maybe Paris will catch up someday, but that's just that just wasn't the case at the time. And so I, I stayed at Teespring and was hurled into the world of technology. Cool. That's one of the craziest stories I think we've ever heard so far on this <laughs> I show. Know. Uh, <laughs> you, yeah. know, you know, I, I actually, I can't believe it. You know, I didn't really know what I was getting into until I w was in it. Um, you know, after the fact, I kind of shocked my friends and I said, um, when I told them, I said, uh, you guys, I can't, I can't sign this lease with you next year because, you know, I'll be moving to Paris to work for Hermes. 
and you know everyone's jaws kind of just drop and you you're doing what <laughs> you know i've always had a funky sense of style but i've never been <laughs> the type to spend you know 4000 us dollars on a, a leather purse and so it was kind of a, a just a funny series of events that um fell into the place at the right time for sure that's awesome so we're going to get to finding out a little bit more about what you're doing at teespring right now but i'm curious just because uh, you know i mean we we want to start branching the podcast out into uh other industries and, and talk to other cool people we've kind of started with entrepreneurs right now which i i think you know entrepreneurs are really awesome people but I, i'm curious from you so you've got this crazy passion for the visual arts and just creation overall you, 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 where does your inspiration come from how do you come up with new ideas and, and stuff like that that's a good question um and it's something that I've been thinking about a lot as I've grown as an artist and as an entrepreneur. And I think my extreme sensitivity to my surroundings is where most of my inspiration comes from. Um, and that sensitivity was something that was probably not to my advantage. You know, as a kid growing up, as you know, if with, without a tough skin, you put up walls. Um, but as I've grown into that, I've learned to sense when I feel something about someone or something and turn that little pang of, of feeling into, into something else. And so, for example, you know, walking home the other day, I looked down and I saw a beautiful little violet in a crack in a sidewalk, and I felt that pang, and I felt like I was going to cry. Um, but instead, I, I picked it, and I recreated that violet color, and that started a whole new piece of art. Um, and similarly, you know, when I'm in the Teespring forums or on, on the phone with a seller, or a different springer, um, you know, I feel a pang of, of joy and like complete happiness. And I know that fostering that human connection between people is, is also my calling. And so that's, that's why um, the Teespring community is so special. It's because it, it makes me feel that pang and it inspires me to help the community even more. Cool. That, that's really awesome. Um, and, and, and building on that, uh, I think, you know, you've, you've actually worded it um, on your site as, as, as the fact that you believe in a positive social change is best achieved by mixing technology, community, and design. So, you know, why those, th why those three elements? How did you come to that conclusion that it's those three things that, that need to blend together to kind of create social change? Definitely. Um, so I believe that both technology and design support community. Um, I've kind of come through, to that realization through studying each one of those elements. And, you know, technology because it allows people to reach others in markets that they never would have. Um, and design because if you make something simple and beautiful, it's easy to use and will be accessible to anyone. Um, and so I, I always look to, to people like Douglas Atkin from Airbnb in that sense, who is really using all three of those things to enact social change. Um, and in their case, you know, changing the whole you know, housing and hotel industry. Um, and if you look at Airbnb, you know, the technology is there. The code is clean and simple. Um, the design is next level from their community to their homepage. And the community is there. You know, the Airbnb is all about community. And, you know, Teespring looks to them and everything that we do, um, especially for community. Uh, and we try to emulate that. And so back to your art, just before we get to, to Teespring, um, how do you end up, you know, coming up with the, with the, or how do you find that creative zone? How do you get back into it? Totally. Um, I've thought about, I've thought about um, how to get into the creative zone a lot and what makes me want to sit down and, and make art or makes me want to sit down, write a blog post. And then I, I realized 
that I'm always in the creative zone because, you know, at Teespring, I have to think creatively every, in everything that I do from, you know, seller retention to community engagement. And um, we have such a buzzing creative community just in-house that if I'm ever stumped, I, I go to our awesome design team and they'll give me advice or even our developers will take, you know, an hour to sit you down and, and talk you through how to solve a problem or um, I'm blessed in that my creative zone is just 24-7 yeah. <laughs> from, from work uh, to going home to my own community. I live in a co-op of 14 really artistic people who, you know, I go home and people are painting, people are writing. Um, we've got a couple developers who are, who are coding their side projects. Um, I'm lucky to be just constantly surrounded by creative people who are inspiring me. Um, and so I, I hope to maintain my life as a creative zone. That sounds pretty cool. So you're currently the community manager at Teespring. What is Teespring and how did you get the opportunity to be a part of the team? So Teespring is a, a commerce platform and we empower people to design and sell uh, various products. Um, right now it's, you know, t-shirts and, and dry fit tees and, you know, tank tops and sweatshirts. But um, in the future it will be, you know, we hope to empower people to create anything. Um, but right now we take care of every single pain point that comes with creating merchandise, uh, everything from supply chain logistics um, to customer service. We, we've just got an amazing customer service team. Um, and the Teespring mission is to really create new opportunities for entrepreneurs um, so that anyone who wants to rally communities around a particular cause or passion uh, can. Uh, I feel so lucky to be part of the company. Um, and as I kind of said before, the opportunity stumbled into my lap one summer um, as kind of uh, a waiting period before I was going to go back to Paris. Walker and Evan are both Brown alumni, um, as is Avery Hauser, who's the uh, friend of mine who first introduced me to the marketing position. Yeah, I, I owe the opportunity directly to them, and th that means everything to me. I think it's an amazing story of how you ended up getting the job uh, with Teespring. So Teespring was, you know, like you said earlier, it was launched in 2011, and it's shipped over a million custom products to over 80 countries. And one in 70 people in the U.S. purchased a Teespring in 2014. So would you be able to talk to us about like what's next at Teespring? Like what, what will we see in 2015? Sure. Um, really quickly, I'll, I'll make a little bit of an amendment to what you just said. Instead of 1 million, it's actually 7 million products um, to more than 80 countries, which is really just the beginning. Um, 2015 is and already has been a huge year for us. Um, we're working on more ways that we can help empower our entrepreneurs to be successful on the platform. Um, in, in particular to my project, right now we're building a community platform off of Facebook, which is where our com community now exists. It, uh, our, our current community is called Teespring News, um, and that was kind of started by one of, our, um, one of the members of our sales team, whose name is Vince Tumbleson. And he's just a rock star engager with our top sellers, just like knows how to talk to them to a T, knows how to engage them to a T. And so he started um, this really small little community for you know the top sellers to talk to each other and to us. And it's just blown out of the water. And so 
we've outgrown the Facebook platform in terms of what we need to give them. And we're going to create something for them that's, you know, even better. So th- that's that's what's on the radar for me for, for 2015. And, and Teespring is even bigger than that. That's really cool. So you originally managed the social media and branding aspect of Teespring. How did you approach building those aspects and what impact does it have in the way that you think about community now? Sure. Um, I was in a, such a good spot uh, when I came into Teespring because I was handed you know, an, a blank brand or almost blank brand um, and a almost empty Facebook group. And so I had a lot of fun getting to build both. In fact, the, early, the earliest tactics um, yield really good stories in terms of building up our brand. And one tactic that I had to use was, you know, every day I would go around um, and bug all, say, 20 people in the office from our customer service reps to even Walker and Evan and say, hey, like, you have a Facebook. I know you do. Will you like and share this post that I just created? Um, and in that way, not only did, I, did we, you know, expand our reach and um, start growing really quickly, but I also got to know every single person on the team. And I think that sort of one-on-one communication with, you know, internally and externally is just such a core value of Teespring and is something that has stayed with us as we scale and, you know, why everyone in the entire company just, you know, is always concerned about the community, always putting the, the, our users first. And so it was really cool to be part of the earliest days of instilling that value across the whole company. So where do you see the biggest opportunities for entrepreneur are and are there any technologies or industries that you really that you're really interested in right now? So of course my answer to the question about entrepreneurs is that um, everyone who's interested in growing their own brand um, without having to, you know, without the hassle of uh, merchandise is obviously Teespring. <laughs> um, <laughs> the it's, it's incredible how many doors we've opened for our sellers. You know, people are paying their college tuition, paying off medical bills, becoming millionaires every single day, you know, raising hundreds of thousands of dollars for charities. And we've just really, what's, what's really unique about the Teespring community is that um, each user feels like Teespring has changed their life in some way. Company-wide, we're so proud to be able to enable that. That's pretty intense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So speaking of Teespring, how how big is the company now today? So we are about just over 200. And wow. you said you guys are spread across um, several countries? Not countries, uh, just the United States. Just the United States. Okay, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. But we definitely, we, we definitely sell to, we sell overseas and, you know, we ship to more, we've shipped more than 80 countries in 2014 alone. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm I'm looking forward to see what else you guys can accomplish in in 2015. I'm sure it'll be amazing things. Um, so yeah, so I mean, other than that, uh, or other than than Teespring, what apps, books, devices, or or tools are you really obsessed with right now? Um, so actually, back to, back to your previous question, I think you asked me about what other industries or technology that interests me. Um, I, I think my answer goes hand in hand with that. Um, I'm pretty obsessed with virtual reality. Um, and I was introduced to that um, by Tommy Leap, who's a partner at Rothenberg Ventures. And I think they've just started a virtual reality accelerator, which is so awesome. Um, and they, they hosted a virtual reality happy hour, which is like a bunch of Oculus. And, and my, mind, my mind is just blown every day on the evolution that has happened since you know the days of Microsoft Paint 
um, which brings <laughs> which brings me to t- the the paintbrush application for for Oculus that's called Tilt Brush. I think it's by Skillman and Hackett, and I haven't yet used it, but supposedly it lets artists paint in three dimensions, it's like mind blown. Um, just by, just by adjusting the angle of the canvas, um, and it what I love most about the idea of this tilt brush is that it will let you paint with mediums like light and stars and, and smoke, which, you know, outer space also <laughs> blows my mind. So the combination of two is, is just insane. That sounds pretty crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even draw stick people. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just feel well, so terrible. Okay. That's awesome. <laughs> not, not yet, at least not until you use tilt brush. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can draw light people. that's that seems like a huge jump (laughs) anyway um yeah are are there any other like tools or books that that you're using a lot right now oh um i'm gonna mention douglas atkin again and seem like an airbnb stalker um (laughs) (laughs) but his he's got a book called the culting of brands and he follows uh you know the loyalties of cults like mormons and moonies and you know even facebook users um and he kind of studies you know, that the idea that like people and not ideas will create converts, um, which is something that really rings true uh, in in most communities that I've come across, which is awesome. That sounds like a really good read. Yeah, you should read it. Um, And then the second book that I'd like to mention is uh, Forrest Fern's The Thrill of the Chase. Um, And this is more of, you know, a treasure hunting story. Uh, he's, He's an old man who has a really interesting life story, but made a lot of money in his in his later days being an, a gallerist in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Um, and so he spent his last couple years putting together this really intense treasure chest, and he's hidden it. And the book is all about, you know, the experience of putting the chest together and what's in it. It's like pounds and pounds of gold and jewelry. It's just crazy. And... Um, and in the book, he's he's kind of encrypted his clues. Um, and what I like most about the book is the community that ensued. Um, now there's a whole online community of people who are working together to find this treasure, like sharing the stories of how they failed or where, where speculating of where it might be. And so, um, you know, maybe one day I'll go look for the the, the gold. But and, until then, I I've got a job. no those are two really good book recommendations so do you have any last thoughts or personal mottos that you live by that you think others should know about yeah i mean and this is probably a pretty common one but you know um i feel so lucky to be so young and be given the responsibility of the teespring community and i think i was given it because you know my love for teespring and our communities is so evident in everything i do um but what i don't want to do is stay stagnant um, especially since community is becoming such a prevalent part of uh, tech companies. And so um, I want to learn from the best like I had done when I uh, identified Hermes as what, my next move. And so um, I'm, I'm constantly reaching out to other community managers um, and trying to meet with them and asking them, um, you know, what's working for their community and, and what's not working. Um, and so for any community managers that are listening, um, if I've sent you a LinkedIn message, please answer me back. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, admire, I admire people who 
um, know what their passions are and are extremely knowledgeable about those passions. Um, and that's kind of who I want it to be and to, to turn into. That's pretty awesome. All right. Well, I guess that, that wraps it up. Thanks so much for being on the show today, Bridget. This was uh, really, really, really awesome. Yeah, this was super fun. Thank you guys so much. Well, that's about it for this episode of Hack to Start. You can find all the important links beneath the show. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Hack to Start, and sign up for our newsletter to know about all the latest episodes, behind-the-scenes content, and more. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.